Welcome back to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. This weekend is June 19th, and it's the first time that day will be a publicly recognized federal holiday. It marks the day in 1865 when Union soldiers, led by General Gordon Granger, arrived in the coastal city of Galveston, Texas, delivering General Order Number 3. It was to inform enslaved African Americans that the Civil War had ended and that they were in fact free under the Emancipation Proclamation, signed by President Abraham Lincoln two years earlier. An end to slavery in the entire country waited until December 1865, when the 13th Amendment was formally adopted into the Constitution. But that day, June 19th, is significant. As the country celebrates and commemorates, we know that not only will folks gather, there will be food, there will also be music. And there's one song likely to be played in celebrations around the country. Lift Every Voice. Producer Kimberly Winston brings us the backstory about this song and its meaning. Here we go. When I was a kid singing in my church choir, one of my favorite hymns was number 519 in the Methodist hymnal, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Lift every voice and sing Till I can didn't sound like that, though. In the intervening years, I forgot all about the song, until George Floyd was killed by a Minneapolis policeman and protests spread across the country. Somewhere in the fire hose of media coverage, I saw an interview with a young African-American woman describing a peaceful demonstration. She said something like, it was beautiful. We started to sing, lift every voice and sing, and I looked around and all of these white people were singing it with us. How do they know the words to our black national anthem? That's when I knew this song has a story way bigger than my church, the only place I ever heard it. The song has a story that I, who am white, knew nothing about. I am Virgita Johnson. I'm an associate professor of ethnomusicology at the University of South Carolina. Professor Johnson teaches Lift Every Voice and Sing as part of her African-American sacred music class. She also plays a mean piano, violin, and the Ghanaian drums. Can you tell me the story of how this song came to be? Well, the story is um, really connected to two brothers, James Weldon Johnson and J. Roseman Johnson. The song actually was a poem first. James Weldon Johnson wrote the poem in 1900, and his brother set it to music in 1905. And so it initially was that. It was actually first publicly performed as a part of Abraham Lincoln's birthday celebration at an actual school. James Weldon Johnson and his younger brother, John Rosamond Johnson, were educators in segregated schools in Jacksonville, Florida, their hometown. 
Almost immediately, their song raced along the avenues of black life. It was sung at social gatherings, civic meetings, and anywhere else early 20th century African Americans met and worked in the Jim Crow South and beyond. They're all passing this song around, and it becomes formalized in things like protest meetings, in church meetings, for Black History Month, in different settings within the Black community because of the power of the words and the message it holds. The song has three verses, one each for the past, the present, and the future. It starts off full of rejoicing. There is liberty, there is faith, and there is hope. Then comes a lament, a stony road, a chastening rod, and a bloody path marched by weary feet. The last verse, my favorite, is a prayer. A God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, will lead us into the light so that we may stand true to our native land. It's an anthem. In 1900, it was almost about to be 40 years after the end of the Civil War. And so we're looking at an African-American community that's now emancipated, but clearly not free. We're in the years, it's called the nadir of race in America. And, you know, Jim Crow and Jane Crow and all those things are happening. You're looking at the rise of the Ku Klux Klan and the racial violence that comes along with those organized hate groups, as well as just a day-to-day um, survival. And so when you see them saying, lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as a rolling sea. They go on and on. And so what the, bro- the brothers put down was something that's almost timeless. The song was sung by African-American soldiers in World War II, by civil rights demonstrators in the 1960s. A 15-year-old Martin Luther King Jr. quoted it in his first ever public speech. It was uttered from the steps of the nation's capital by the civil rights icon Reverend Joseph Lowry at President Barack Obama's 2008 inauguration. You can hear it in the score of Spike Lee's film Do the Right Thing and read it in the pages of Maya Angelou. It is currently in almost 40 Christian hymnals and crosses religious borders. In 1928, Rabbi Stephen Wise of the Free Synagogue in New York wrote to the Johnson brothers, calling the song the noblest anthem I have ever heard. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Could you give me oh, the gosh. first verse? You're going to make me sing it? I oh, am, I am. That's Melinda Doolittle, a Tennessee-based singer who came in third place on season six of American Idol. Okay, I can do it. Okay. Lift every voice. Her version of Lift Every Voice and Sing was cited by Beyonce as inspiration for her landmark performance of the song at Coachella in 2018. Landmark because Coachella's audience is largely white. Of liberty. There has never been a time that Doolittle did not know Lift Every Voice and Sing. She recorded an entire album of songs by the Johnson Brothers, 30 of them, with titles like Treat Me Like a Baby Doll, Congo Love Song, and Oh Southland. But Lift Every Voice and Sing is singular among James Weldon Johnson's lyrics. It's just, it's different. It's like he took a second and just sat down and was like, what are we going through right now? Let me just write this. And the other songs, the other poems were a bit more on the entertainment side of things, you know, or they spoke on something lighter. 
or didn't really dive into the religion behind it. And it was different for us in the studio. We saved Lift Every Voice for last. Really? Because I was like, I, for me to be in a place where I can give this the emotional uh, just fortitude that it needs, really, I don't need to be singing, you know, treat me like a baby doll after. Like, I just need this to be the last thing that I get out because that last verse every time um it was that the take that you hear is the very first take um because i cried through the, all the rest of them to sing those words with just me and a piano and really think about them to put the feeling behind them it just it just hit me in the most beautiful way the song has been recorded hundreds of times maybe more besides beyonce's there are versions by melba moore Aretha Franklin, B.B. Winans, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, the Boys Choir of Harlem, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and even a group called the Band of Heathens. There are dozens of different arrangements, a cappella, jazz, acoustic, operatic, and my own favorite, a big band version performed by students at the Berklee College of Music in Boston. I'll tell you we, we have come. My name is Desmond Scape Jr. I am a uh, pianist, a vocalist, an artist, musician, chef, lover of life and of all of God's children, all of Mother Nature's children. And, um, oh, 26 years old. In 2016, Scaife was a student at Berkeley College. Donald Trump had just been elected president, and he and his fellow students, most of whom were voting in their first presidential election, were emotional. They went into the studio and recorded Lift Every Voice and Sing, as arranged by Berkeley professor Larry Watson for Nelson Mandela's release from prison. The recording session, complete with orchestra, chorus, conductor, and scaife as the lead singer, was filmed and can be seen on YouTube. The premise of this video was to showcase what America really looks like and what those who live in America and who operate and make this country run, how we really look, the things that we love, who we are, our politics. Lift Your Voice embodies that because Lift Your Voice is the Black National Anthem. However, it's not a song just about Black people. It's a song about any oppressed people. It's a song about anyone that wants to and can lend their voice to sing. That's why this song is so powerful. It's more than just one people's story. It is born out of our story, but it is available and able for anyone who believes in true justice and liberation. When did you first hear that song? Before I was born. My mother's a pianist and choir director, so she's been playing the song and singing it. It was almost like a lullaby to me. I know the song, I know all four verses, and I always have. To hear that in all of the depth and breadth of these people around me singing that song where it was a, uh, uh, it was like heaven's gates was literally opening. I could feel that at two and three years old. Didn't really understand what that feeling meant. In 2016, 2017, after being through some things, after seeing parts of the world, after understanding who I am, my identity, as an artist, as a black man, all of that, looking back on James Weldon Johnson and John's, John Rosamond Johnson 
them being at the time 20 and 30 something year old men like I am in early 20th century America, what they're going through writing this song, the lyrics are timeless. Doesn't matter what generation you are of an oppressed people, those lyrics apply to you. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmony of liberty, okay? Let our rejoicing rise, highs the listening skies, let it resound loud as a rolling sea. There is nobody that can't identify with that. If they don't, they're choosing not to. That song is the cornerstone of my experience. I spoke with Scafe in Atlanta, where he was sheltering with family during the pandemic. Normally, he lives in Brooklyn. Two nights before our call, Atlanta police shot and killed Raynard Brooks, just a year older than Scafe, at a Wendy's drive through You're in Atlanta now. You had an incident where um, a man was shot, I believe, in the back. Right, Brown, yes. Yes. I uh-huh, had the back and in the head. Uh, an unarmed man in the back yes. and in the head, African-American man. You said this song is a salve. Try to describe for me how any song can be a salve for something as awful as that, as awful as George Lloyd. The names go on and on. Black music has no dichotomy. Is a quote I got from my mentor. You can be happy, you can be sad, you can be melancholy, you can be distorted, you can be frustrated, you can be lazy, you can be hungry, you can be tickled pink, all within one song, because it's the entire Black experience, is all of that. So when I say sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has brought us, sing a song full of the hope that the present has taught us, facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. You don't forget the past, but you use your past. It brought you to your present, and that fuels your future. So you can't forget the lynchings. You can't forget slavery. You can't forget rape. You can't forget police brutality. You can't forget redlining. You can't forget justification. The only way out is back through. So that's how music becomes a salve, because another reason why music is a salve, I'll say, is because of that was the only unmarked territory during colonialism, slavery, and Jim Crow era, that black people, that was not a regimented. So every type of emotion could go straight into the music. So that's why for black culture, for black pain, and for every time, for every season, there is a song for it. Which is why I should not have been surprised to hear Lift Every Voice and Sing after the killing of George Floyd. In 2018, Shanna Redmond, a UCLA professor who wrote a book about African-American anthems, said that she began seeing the song associated with the Black Lives Matter movement after the killing of Trayvon Martin in 2012. But in this current moment, as the nation seems to be coming to some kind of new reckoning with racial inequality and violence, can the Black National Anthem still be sung by people who are not Black? Absolutely. That is the premise of the song. That is why John Rosamond Johnson and James Weldon Johnson wrote this song. Because when they wrote this song, they didn't write it necessarily for Black people. Most of the things that Black people have done and have experienced and have participated in their lives have maybe have been for them at the start, initially, and they were the catalyst for change. Because nothing that Black people have done, we said, we cut off to anybody else. Same thing with the music. 
If it says lift every voice and sing till heaven and earth rings, that's every voice, not just the black voices, but every voice. You see what I mean? That's how I feel about that song. No, anybody can sing it. If you sing it from here, if you know it, soul has no race or background. Doolittle recalled a 2015 concert where she sang this song with the Boston Children's Chorus. To watch this extremely diverse choir of kids learn this song and be in tears singing it together, it just, it, it helped me feel a part of passing it down. And I hope that we can keep passing it down and teaching our kids that even though even though things can look hard, there's so much hope and there's something to look forward to. And so I, I hope this song is, continues to be used for that. Brigitte Johnson, the USC ethnomusicologist, says even though Lift Every Voice and Sing was written for and first performed by a choir of 500 Black children, and even though by 1920 the NAACP adopted it as the Black National Anthem, it was never intended to be exclusive. When the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, NAACP, dubbed this the anthem, it was an interracial group. This was an interracial group saying this is our song. And so the idea that non-Black people can't sing it is not in alignment with the originality of who said this was going to be the national anthem, okay? And so when you look back at those sit-ins, and some of those sit-ins were interracial, when you look at Freedom Summer, when you had white young people joining the movement, Jewish people joining the movement, Asian people joining the movement, Latinos joining the movement, they were at those same meetings singing the song then. They were interracial movements. Going back into the suffragettes, you had these interracial connections around politics and the freedom struggle that were interracial. And that song was right there with them singing it. And so the idea that now all of a sudden non-black people can't sing this, it does not make sense. Why would Beyonce sing this at an interracial Coachella crowd if other people couldn't sing it? There's some lyrics to talk about true to our God, true to our native land. That could mean as an African-American, you're talking about Africa. As an American, you could be talking about Native Americans. Just that kind of, that could resonate differently for them. But this idea, wherever your Native land could be, you're true to your God and your Native land, true to these ideas. That was Dr. Brigitte Johnson from the University of South Carolina. I also spoke with singer Melinda Doolittle, who will perform a virtual 4th of July concert with the Cincinnati Pops. You can find her version of Lift Every Voice and Sing on Curb Records. And singer and composer Desmond Scaife Jr., you can read a print version of this story by me at www.religionunplugged.com. That's all for this week's episode. If you missed any portion, you can stream us online at interfaithradio.org. While you're there, read our show notes, sign up for the newsletters, and explore the archives. We are also a podcast to subscribe. Just search Interfaith Voices. And while you're there, can I ask a favor? Will you leave a rating and a review to help others find us? I want to thank MC Yogi for our theme music, additional music in this week's episode by Blue Dot Sessions, and to learn more about the renditions of Lift Every Voice that appeared in this week's show, check out our show notes. A special thanks to our founder, Maureen Fiedler, and this week's episode's producers, including Kevin McCarthy, Kimberly Winston, and the team at The Spiritual Edge. Inspired is a production of Interfaith Voices. 
We rely on the generous support of our listeners to bring you this show. I'm your host and executive producer, Umbreen Khan. Remember to stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. I'll see you next week.